All right, you never know. We'll see what happens. Okay, Boker Tover and the Gemara Moy Cotton Daf Tesamid Aleph. We uh, wanted to know how they knew when they dedicated the Beis Hamikdash to override the prohibition of fasting on Yom Kippur and, and 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 doing all the Yom Kippur things we do. They did it from a Kalvachomer from the Mishkan, where the Mishkan pushed off Shabbos, and therefore they made a Kalvachomer that if the Mishkan celebration pushes off Shabbos, uh, therefore Kalvachomer can push off, the Beis Amigdash can push off Yom Kippur. So now the Gemara goes back to the original point and says, Umishkan the Shabbos Minolan. So how do we know that the Mishkan inauguration pushed off Shabbos, where the sacrifices were brought by the Nesim, by the princes, it pushed it off. So they suggest the following. Ilema, if it's because Mirichsiv, it says, now over there, the Psukim are listed in order of the sacrifices from each one of the Nesim, one day after the others. For example, it says about the first day, by Yom Harishon, it says on the first day, then on the second day, etc. And on the seventh day, okay? So therefore, by Yom Harishon, Pashtus is first day of the week. They started, second day, third, fourth, seventh day is Shabbos. So that seems to be the proof. And on the first, the first day was Sunday, and this goes straight through. Seventh day was Shabbos. So we see that the Nasi brought on Shabbos. To which Gemara says, well, wait a minute. How do you know that is the proof? When it says on the seventh day, maybe it means Dilma Shvi'i Lekorbanos. Maybe it means on the seventh day on which they brought Korbanos, as opposed to on the seventh day of the week. In other words, you could have 12 days of bringing Korbanos only on days that you could bring Korbanos, which would exclude Shabbos. Or it could mean on the seventh day of the week. So how do you know it means on the seventh day of the week? Maybe it means on the seventh day which they brought Korbanos. So maybe they skipped Shabbos. Yes. So how do you know that it actually pushed off Shabbos? So Gomorrah is going to say we're going to know that from other um, uh, extra words that are coming up in the sacrificial order of the inauguration. Amar of Nachman Bar Yitzchak, he says, well, let's go to the 11th day and you'll see an extra word. Amar Kra, the text says, Biyom Ashteasor, Ashteasor is on the 11th day. Yom, it says, Biyom Ashteasor, Yom. On, on the 11th day, on the day of the 11th day. It says Yom twice. You see, it, it should say Biyom Ashteasor. What's Biyom Ashteasor Yom? On the day of the 11th day. Right? That's what literally means on the day, 11th day. So what's an extra word Yom doing over there? Only for that one it says an extra word? Yeah. Because other ones, Biyom Arishon, Biyom Ashleishi, Okay, now, next time we get to Parsha's uh, Noso, uh, you will notice it, <laughs> right? And 
it, be, it should say Biyom Ashteasor. What's this Yom? So it must be telling us something about that day, which will be telling us about every day. What does it mean? My Yom, just as a single day, Kulo Ratzif, by its very nature, is consecutive. Meaning a day is consecutive. It goes for 24 hours, no breaks. So af ashteyasor kulan ritsufen. So all eleven days were consecutive. There was no break. And so you look at a day. A day is twenty-four hours. There's no such thing as uh, part of the day and then part of the day is not the day. So when you're saying eleven, that day is a whole day. So all eleven days were also connected one to another. So it's continuous. Yes, that's what the next word Yom is saying. Which more says, well, wait a minute, maybe not. Vidilma again, it's continuous, only Yom only days that are fit to bring, and not Shabbos. Maybe, yeah, continuous when it's possible. No, there's a second extra Yom. Two times you have the word Yom extra. Ksiv Krachrini, we got another Pasuk about the 12th day. Same problem. Biyom Shneim Asor Yom. On the 12th day, day. On the day of the twelfth day, again, repetition. Now we forced to say my yom kularatzav, just as the day is consecutive. Afshneimasar kulan ritzuvim. Again, let's say they're all connected. Which more asks the same question? Yeah. Hmm, so what? Maybe it only means consecutive days that you can do it. To which more says no, no, no. Him came tray croy lemme. Why do you need two two times to do it? Why saying twice? Yo, one time we're saying it's consecutive. You want to say okay, maybe only consecutive when it's possible. But what's the second yom going to tell me? To tell me it's consecutive is mamish consecutive. If the Torah only have stated the first verse, would have said only days in which are fit are included consecutive days. When you say it the second time already. It's saying all days, even including Shabbos. Okay, so that's how we know clear that was brought on Shabbos. So we know the Mishkan was brought on Shabbos. And now the question is, okay, then they made a Kalvachomer to the Beis Hamikdash, And they said also it will push off Yom Kippur. However, we want to see the textual source that says this. We're going back to that original statement that he says the Jews did not observe Yom Kippur. He knew it as a fact, and he knew it how they logically came to that deduction. But what's the textual source that actually says this? <laughs> how do you know in the text that that's exactly what happened? Ilema, if you're going to say from the fact it writes Mirchsiv. Arba Asor Yom, there were 14 days, which would imply 14 straight days, including Yom Kippur. If we go back to the same question. Maybe it's only days that are fit, 14 days that are fit, and Yom Kippur is not fit. So which we're going to say, no, we're making eggs, Ereshava. Gamar Yom, Yom, Mehasam. We're making Ereshava. That it says Yom Arbaasor Yom, fourteen days by the Beis Hamikdash, and it says Yom many times by the Mishkan. 
So, therefore, just as by the Mishkan, the extra word day means consecutive, so too it means consecutive days as well. Okay, so we've t- tied up all the loose ends. We have the Psukim that clearly say by the Mishkan it was 14, uh, 12 straight days, which includes the Shabbos. Beis Amigar said 14 days, which are straight days, which include Yom Kippur. The logic we say is the Kalva Chomer. Fine. And then. It, no, it was it was just it was just there. The 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 Bezdin said made a kavul chomer that we're allowed to do it. It's this is not. I know what you're asking. You can't derive standard halachas from kavul chomer, but for harash a one off, you can. This was not a change that forever. Yom Kippur gets pushed off. It, it's a. It, why is the Kavu Homer is no no not a Kavu it's not a week the whole, it's the whole, the yom and that's that's what Xavier Shav is all about yom's all over the place I, mean, I understand but here this is Xavier Shav they had so and and that's supported and was supported by their logic so they had a Kavu Homer and they had Xavier Shav Xavier Shav no no Xavier okay let's let's try to get this straight we're we're, we're mixing two separate entities here. First, there's the facts, and then there's the logic. First, I want to ask you a question. How do we know the Torah says they brought Korbanos on Shabbos by the Mishkan? How do they know they celebrated the inauguration of Esau Migdash on Yom Kippur? How do we know? Where does it say it? Now, these, it happened. It happened. We know that it happened. What text said it happened? That's all. That's all we're looking for. What texts implied that it happened? The people who lived in that time, it happened. It happened in the Mishkan. It happened in the base of Mishkan. Rabbis, I know. Okay, what? What's the textual source for it? Okay. Now, when you look for a textual, no, just that it happened. How do how do we know the text says it? Justifying it or explaining it? Which is it? Neither. Neither. How do we know it? Happened. The event happened. Right, right. Not justifying. It happened. Right or wrong? Did it happen? Did it not? Did they bring Karbanos on Shabbos for the inauguration of the Mishkan? Yes. Did they celebrate the Beis Hamikdash on Yom Kippur? Yes. How do we know that? Well, the texts are saying it. Yeah. So now, Xerish Shava can certainly be used to tell us what happened considering they know what happened. They're just looking for the text that will tell us some idea that it happened. We're not deducing a halacha. They did it. There's no question. It's not a question of why did they do it? Could they have done it? Did they do it? That's all we want to know. It's a historical fact. Now, we have a tradition. People know. People were there. They told it to their children. Oh, I was there when they inaugurated the Mishkan. Can you imagine? On the seventh day, they even brought it on Shabbos. People were there when they inaugurated the Beis HaMikdash. The Nabi's relating. The people were... They, they did it 14 days, and it included Yom Kippur. They were there. They were there when it happened. They didn't like it. doesn't matter. They didn't, not they didn't like it. They were questioning it. Yeah. So now we just want to know, what's the text that tells us that it happened? Finished. Yeah, right. So he said, well... 11, 12 days, consecutive. 
it, that shows that it happened. We know it happened anyway, but where's the text at least implying that it happened? Same thing with Esau Mingash. Now, second, that's one issue. So we're not, the rabbis aren't deciding should we eat on Yom Kippur because of Xerah Shava? That's not what Xerah Shava is doing. Xerah Shava is just telling us that it happened. Now the question is, what was their logic? What was their premise to do it? The text says that premise was the Kalvah Homer. That was the premise. That was the, the historical precedence of the Mishkan became the premise for the Kalvah Homer for them to do it on Yom Kippur as well. Good. Now, next question, we go back to the Brisa. People were a little bit nervous about it. So Yotzot Sabasko, we already said this, a voice from heaven came out for and said to them, You were all destined for the world to come. Not to worry, the rabbis made the right decision. It still is a fascinating thing that even after you have a Sanhedrin here, and you have Ezra, Nehemiah, these are the big guns over here. And what's fascinating is most of the Jews who they brought back were pretty, uh, what do you call it, um, assimilated. Remember, they have, most of them had shikses for wives, and they had to divorce them. So it's not like they were such big scholars. <laughs> Yet, what, what do you see? This little episode niggled them. Episode, we're eating on Yom Kippur. <laughs> ah, you married a shiksa, not a problem. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of things. I understand. I understand. But, you know, so it's like, as, as one rabbi once explained it, so how do, if they're married a shiksa, aren't they off the dare? Do we not treat them like Jews? So the answer is now they don't perceive that intermarrying is an affront against Judaism. They think it's part of being a liberally minded person, and they, yeah, and they, and, and they think they're very proud Jews. But at this Yom Kippur, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a weird way of establishing priorities, but that's the mindset of people. So even though they had their shiksas and they had to get rid of them, but, uh, but uh, Yom Kippur was bothering them. So to that point, we needed a miracle. It's not wasn't good enough that Ezra said, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. I'm sure Ezra said, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. Still was bothering them. So a voice from heaven had to come out and say, you're all getting oil and So now the question is, now this is all medrash. This is, all, this is not in the text. The text doesn't say that, any of this. So the only question is, so how do we know that Hashem forgave them for what they did? Now the question is, it's a double, it's a double, two ways of understanding the question. Yeah, a loaded question. What does the question mean? So, so on the one hand, you, it, it's difficult. I'll tell you why. If the rabbi said you're allowed to do it, then it's not a sin. So what do you have to be forgiven for? So other rabbis suggest this is the question. Wait a minute. Yom Kippur is a day of general atonement. An atonement for all the affairs of the year, right? So if you want to have atonement, what are you supposed to do? Torah gives you a prescription. Five inuyim, fast, this, there's an avoda. So all kinds of things that happen. When you, do, uh, when you do the whole package, what do you get? You get forgiveness, regular forgiveness. Forget about eating on Yom Kippur, forget about it. There's 364 days that the Jews were living, and those Jews especially, since they were very assimilated, did a lot of Averis. Baruch Hashem, Yom Kippur comes along, we do the 
rites of passage of Yom Kippur, and then the day's over, we do tshuva, the sins are gone. So now the more is asking, okay, so let's say they could do what they did. Fine. But what happened to the Yom Kippur when the Yom Kippur does for you? What's going to happen to the forgiveness oh, yeah. that Yom Kippur brings? Right. Oh, we're not our, okay, granted, it was a, a one-off, and it, it, Shlomo and the Bezin felt it's important that we celebrate the Beis Amish. This is everything that Hashem wants. It overrides Yom Kippur. Fine, shkoyach, no problem. You're not going to get punished for it. Good. But what about the fact that a whole year passed and they didn't have the cleansing of Yom Kippur? Right. What about that? that? How do you get out of that? So now the Gemara answers the Tony Tachlifa. For Tachlifa taught in a brisa regarding the conclusion of Shlomo's inaugural service. And the, talk, the te- text tells us a little bit, but the Medrash expands on it a lot. So on that last day, by Yom Hashmini, on the eighth day, Sholach Esa'am, he sent the people away, and they blessed the king. And they went to their tents, joyful and glad of heart. For what? Text continues. I'll call Hatova for all the good. Asher os Hashem David that Hashem did for David. That's strange. David's not alive. We'll get to that. Avdo his servant. Uli Yisrael and to the Jewish people that were there. So now we're going to analyze every clause of this thing. And we're going to show you within the clauses that they got forgiven. So we're going to look at every word. It could have just very well just said, and, and, and the king blessed them. He sent them and he blessed them. Finished. It could have said on the eighth day, he sent the people and blessed them. Isn't that enough? Why does he have to say, and they went to their tents, happy and good-hearted, for all the good that Hashem did to David, his servant of the Jewish people. What do you need all that? Just say, he sent them home. Finished. So now we're going to uh, darshan every clause that there's something beneath that that's much deeper. So let's take a look clause by clause. Are we talking because uh, it, it was 12 days or 14 days after one of the sevens it was seven and seven it was 14 days right seven days and then sukkahs so it could be he sent them home for sukkahs and then and then the eighth day let's say sukkahs or it could be after all 14 days either way but it's when the festivities were let, let's I guess it's the first seven days so anyway, he sends them, law lay them to their tents. What does it mean to their tents? Well, what is tent uh, code word for? Their wives. Their wives. Right. Where did you learn that from? Remember? I just did it. I can't remember where, but I know we learned it. After Kabbalah Satara, no, Moshe said, everybody go home to your tents. Right. Not only did they go home, they found their wives were in a state of purity. They were not needus. So they could be with their wives. Smechim, what does it mean they were joyful? Shenenu meziv hashchina. They delighted in the radiance of the shchina, uh, as they deduced that from various psukim. Fetov lave and good hearted. Shekol echad veechad nis abra ben zachar. That every man's wife, when they came home, they, they got pregnant from that. How do we know tov means getting pregnant? It says, by Moshe, they saw he was good, so that means a baby came. 
al kol hatova for all the good. She yotzes the umra lahem. A voice from heaven came out and said, "Kulchem isumanim lechayi ha'elam haba." You all are destined for the ultimate good. So that's the price is showing how it's hinted to in the pasuk that that's what happened. So when the Gemara is asked, how do we know it happened? So it's from the fact that the Pasuk is saying it happened. And the Pasuk is saying that therefore it was, um, what do you call it? that extra tova means that the Vasco said you talk of forgiving. So now we can theorize why. And I guess you could say like this. Really, the whole point of doing tshuva is coming back to Hashem, as we've been saying many times in our afternoon class. Tshuva is coming back to Hashem. When you come back to Hashem to the point that you are bonding with Hashem, you're entering into a new reality and you're now in a world where sin is not even on your mind. In other words, um, you know, let's say, whatever, let's say a person uh, was an alcoholic, an addict, an addict of anything. Okay? So he has to deal with that. He tries, doesn't work, doesn't work. Now he goes to a 12-step program. He goes uh, a month away. He gets, they, he gets a whole new mindset of how to live life. He, you know, he was living life with the wrong mindset, thought he was a loser, thought this would help him. And, and he has a whole change of Weltenschank. So now that he, he lives in that new Weltenschank, he's not interested in it anymore. That's it. So you don't have to do any more chula. You're in a new realm. The source, most addicts have a source for their addiction. They don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an addict. There's a reason why they either suffer from poor self-esteem or whatever it is, and there's a negative attitude about themselves, and they want to just get out of that, don't want to think about it, so they go to drugs. But the problem is not the drugs per se, it's the attitude that puts you into the drugs. So now, if you can change that attitude, then they're not interested in drugs. That's the theory, at least. Okay, same thing, you do Averis. Why do you do Averis? Why do you do Averis? Well, it must be that you, that you consciously or subconsciously feel there is some good in this life outside of HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch is the ultimate good. And if you're close to Hashem, you have all the happiness in the world. So why would you go and eat a piece of treif it's good. What do you mean it's good? It tastes good. Yeah, but the, but you have a shem that's better than anything in the world. You know, can you imagine a person who's used to eating the finest things in life, mamish, the finest things in life, and then you want to give him some uh, oatmeal? What's this? Oatmeal. It's healthy for you. Ugh. It's, it's not like filet mignon. I'm not. Who eats oatmeal? I have to have a special. He's not interested. He's not interested. So you got a Kodesh Baruch Hu. You got Mamish Dveikas Tashem. There's no pleasure that compares to it. How could you think of doing an Avera? Ella what? You're not close to Hashem. You're not close to him. And when you're not close to Hashem, then you're looking for pleasures. So now, what's tshuva? I'm not going to do it anymore? What do you mean you're not going to do it? Anymore? Sure you're going to do it again. Why are you not going to do it again? Have you had a change of mind of Weltenschank? No. I just know Hashem will punish me, so I don't want to get punished, so I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Really? You're not going to do it again? 
Come on, you still don't really believe Hashem is the source of all reality. You do not believe that Hashem is the only source of pleasure. You believe that in all kinds of pleasures, you just got caught with your hand in a cookie jar. You don't want to burn in hell, so you're saying you're sorry. And then what happens? Right after you give, you do the same Avera. Okay, so you need a lot of Yom Kippur. You need a lot of Chuva. You need a lot. But the real, the real, real <coughs> point is you have to change your attitude that there's Enod Novato. There's nothing else but Hashem. That's the only reality. And now it's foolish for me to do a sin and I'm not interested in doing a sin. So that's what you hope happens over the entire Yom Kippur. Okay, how do you do that? Well, you're fasting. You're not having any pleasure. You're having no physical pleasure. And you're just in shul, talking to Hashem. And hopefully, through the Yom Kippur Avoda, you come to this understanding of Enod Novato. We end and we say the end of Yom Kippur, Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim. When you come to that level, through the Avoda of 24 hours of totally focusing on Hashem in reality, then we could say your sins are forgiven. Why? Because you've entered into a new zone. Hopefully you don't leave that zone too quickly. Now, what Yom Kippur can do as an avoda, the Beis Hamikdash can accomplish just by being there and seeing Hashem's presence. Why, did, why were they doing sins for 70 years in Babel? Because they're in Gullus. Did they even, they even see Hashem? Have any business with Hashem? They knew you want to survive, this is how you survive. Whatever you have to do to survive, you, you have the pleasures. There's no base amigdash anymore. But now that they come back to that base amigdash and they come back to the Shekhinah and they're celebrating it. What does it mean they're celebrating? They're saying, this is the best pleasure in the world. Doesn't that accomplish what Yom Kippur accomplished? Isn't the whole point is to leave that false ideology behind? So there's two ways to do it. The traditional way, the way the Torah says to do it. But this was a different year. This was a year that they finally came back from the Gullus. It's a year, it's only a one day in the history of the world. Is there going to be a Jew, who, Jews who come from Gullus, totally secularized, and now it's not Yom Kippur. It's the Beis Hamikdash. And with the Beis Hamikdash, and by celebrating it, because if they don't celebrate it, that means they don't really think it's, oh, we have to go back to shul again? Is this what it's about? I didn't like going to shul before. But when they celebrated the Mesa Mikdash, they brought korbanos, and they ate off of the altar, so to speak, and they came to a closeness of Hashem, and they enjoyed it, that is what the whole point of, of Yom Kippur is anyway. So guess what? Every year you can't have a first day of the Mesa Mikdash. That was only once in the history of the world. Did you this year? I wish. But uh, clearly, we at least if we don't have a base on Migdash, we have Yom Kippur. So that's how they learned that they. Let's just finish up ex, ex, uh, explaining the pasuk. And what about the kindness of David Avdo Uliyisrael Amo to David his servant and the Jewish people his nation? Bish Lehem Uliyisrael Amo. Yeah, I understand the Jewish people. Yeah, he forgave the people for the sin of of eating on Yom Kippur. He told, or whatever, they got tshuva for Yom Kippur, whatever. Well, David Avdo, but for David, sir, my, what's going on? David's not even alive. says like this, there was a way of David getting a real big credit. Why? Something happened. Now, Shlomo, everything's ready. Shlomo wants to bring the Aron into the base of Mikdash. You got to go through the gates. Miraculously, 
the gates clung to each other, shut, and could not be opened. Why did Hashem do that? So Shlomo would have to invoke the merits of his father's David. Because you're going to see in a minute, it didn't open until he invoked that. That's why Hashem purposely did this. Amr Shlomo. Shlomo sees it's locked. So what did he say? He said, Shlo, he sang 24 songs of prayer. Okay, so 24 different songs. Nana, doors didn't open. Pasach Amar. And then he began in reciting the following psalm. Su'u, sharm, rashechem, etc. Raise up your heads, let the gates open. Nana didn't get answered. Kivin Sha'amar, but when he said the following words, Hashem Elohim, Hashem God, Al Toshev Pinei Mishichecha, turn not away the face of your anointed one. That was referring to David. David and remember the pieties of David, your servant. Remember my father. Miyat Nana. Immediately it got answered, and the gates opened up. And why did Hashem want to do that? Because there are a lot of people who in, that. Uh, we could say David Melech was quote unquote the Trump of his generation. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that guardedly. You know, if you're a, if you believe that Trump did good, but nobody gave him any credit for whatever he did, which is really the truth. I'm not comparing the morality of Trump to, but I'm just saying everybody. But every, a lot of people saw David Melech was a schmo. He did certain affairs. The press was not kind to David. Let's put it. Trump wasn't the first one to suffer from the press. David suffered from the press. And therefore, at that moment, now that it got open for him, at that moment, David's enemies, their faces turned black like the bottom of a pot that has the fire coming on that. And who are they? The family of Shaul, the family of Shimi ben Gera, so many who never wanted to begin with. Everyone knew that Hashem forgave David for his sin with Bathsheba. Okay, that ends the discussion of the Beis Hamikdash story. Yeah,